Welcome to the Delish Guestless Podcast, a deep dive into the lives and work of Hong Kong's crazy food and beverage industry leaders, hosted by The Beat Asia. Today, we invited Adam Azate, head of guest relations for the famed Lang Kwai Fung Concepts Group, operating six top-class restaurants in the party district with Japanese, Italian, and contemporary Western concepts. From his transition in design hospitality to F&B, Adam takes the wool off our eyes into the behind the scenes of curating the perfect guest experience along the LKF strip. Only on the Delish guest list. What attracted you to Hong Kong initially? Uh, family business. Okay, yeah. so the family business based out here, design based work. Based out here, design work, yeah, for okay. hotels, resorts, spas, restaurants, um, primarily like for five-star hotels and resorts so around the world. But a lot of it was heavily based in in Asia, Southeast Asia. So eleven years ago, what was design work comprising of in the family office? Uh, branding and graphics for Richard Ekibis, a lot of his restaurants for Mandarin Oriental, Four Seasons. We work with uh, basically the biggest and best chefs and restaurants from Four Seasons to St. Regis's. Uh, some notable ones: the very first Bellagio outside of Vegas in Shanghai. So we had a hand in working with the MGM team to name the restaurants, develop the brand identity, the story for five of their outlets. So that was pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. And, Could uh, you make a bet that any regular foodie in Hong Kong in the past 11 years before you moved into LKF has seen your work but doesn't know you, Adam? A hundred percent. Really? Yeah. That's freaky. Hidden in plain sight. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know like the full backstory. Um, wow. The ones that do, ironically, um, are our head interior designer, Elena Koo. Um, when she saw my last name, she's just like, oh, my God, your father is Victor? And I was like, what? And I get that quite often with uh, people that are in the design industry. Uh, I'm pretty low-key, but once the name is out, they're like, oh, my God, your father's a legend, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, he's done some pretty great work. But, uh Yeah. What brings him his legendary status? I think he was really at the forefront. He had one of the first graphic design studios in Hong Kong, um, started back in 1991. Wow. Yeah. And um, it was a very niche market at the time. Again, it was you have interior design, lighting design, architecture. But he was really at the forefront of creating brands, storytelling, developing concepts with the chefs. Like I said, Richard Ekebis has been... One of the most notable, so my father had a hand at Amber Restaurant here when it was first launched. Uh, developed the identity, named the restaurant with Richard. Yeah. Were you interested in food and restaurants previously in L.A. before coming to Hong Kong? Not as much as Hong Kong. Really? Yeah. What set that fire alight? I think it was just the variety, the intensity, everything like around the corner is totally different. Like, you know, you can have Thai food one day, you can have Ethiopian food, you can have Japanese food, you can have any type of cuisine in Hong Kong. So it really, like, peeled my eyes back. Like, wow, this is definitely a city that loves to eat. It seems to me that your love affair with Hong Kong and the previous business that you were in with your father and design has really directly translated to what you're doing right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, um, that's what's interesting because in the previous role, it was really... Everything leading up to a restaurant opening, a hotel opening. So you're two, three years on a project and you're creating a narrative and you're 
behind the scenes and you're working mm-hmm. and you're going to site and you're seeing the physical structure be built. You're working with F&B directors, general managers, chefs, reviewing menus, um, table settings, etc., etc. All the mechanics are the operational side of things. But then once it goes live, you're done. So you don't really see. Now, uh, now I have an opportunity to be on the opposite side, which is on the ground doing guest experience. So um, for me, hospitality comes from heart. So it's really about kind of engaging with the guest, understanding the, the story of the cuisine, understanding the story of the restaurant, and kind of being at the forefront now instead of behind the scenes. To be very metaphorical with opening these restaurants and designing them in accordance to you know the principles that your father brought you in the office itself, you were raising these babies and then you were giving them off to other mothers. Exactly. Yeah. And then now you're taking maybe babies <laughs> or you know you're you're maturing these children into real loving adults these these concepts in LKF. Yeah, no, that's what's great. I mean, LKF is a group with the six outlets we have. Um, each one, as I mentioned, is like it's a unique child. It's its own ecosystem, its own story, its own experience overall. So um, it, it's quite fun to be part of that customer journey, that guest journey, you know, um, helping people create moments that become memories and then getting them activated and like, wow, we had a great time here and we're going to recommend a friend or you know, just kind of that intangible factor. Before you joined the group, and I'm sure all of your colleagues as well, you must have gone to LKF for the first time. What were those experiences? <laughs> 11 years ago, presumably. Oh, yeah. No, even before that, um, I started coming to Hong Kong. My first time was in 1993. Wow. So that's when... I popped my LKF cherry in 1993. At the time, it was much, much different than it is now. Um, there was Club 97, California. Tower was not California Tower. It was California Restaurant. Amazing Burgers, the original California Restaurant. Um, yeah, it was it was very eclectic. But in 93, that's when I really peeled my eyes back. And I was like, wow, this is Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah. What was it like returning to Hong Kong after many times traveling here, then moving here permanently, what was the transition that LKF has gone through over the years that you've seen with your own eyes? I think it's, you know, like Hong Kong, it's it's remained resilient. It's, it's had to reinvent itself. I mean, a lot of, you know, Stormy's isn't there. Um, Elle's Diner isn't there. These were kind of institutions at the time for, for LKF. Um, I think the demographic has also changed as well. Um, once Wyndham Street popped up, once Gilbert brought Dragon Eye and et cetera, et cetera on Wyndham, then that kind of pulled a lot of the original LKF crowd up to Wyndham Street. And then the demographic changed to kind of a younger demographic. Yeah. Interesting. When you joined LKF Group, was this a bit of a nostalgic trip to reignite those memories that you had ninety three and then in the nineties and then maybe in the early two thousands i not intentionally, but I have to say as a byproduct of working in the tower i've definitely taken a trip down memory lane um, more often than not, 
So by that I mean um, just you know it's a social social hub. So you end up going out, you meet friends for dinner, they come in for dinner, and then you're off your shift. Okay, let's let's grab a beer, let's let's you know hang out, etc. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned earlier before we started recording that Bachi is the money maker. It's one of the first restaurants that you see walking up yes. into LKF, and you have that. I feel like it's an, an invisible rainbow uh, cloud right near the entrance that's sort of beckoning you in. And yeah. There's all these angels. It's like, welcome to LKF. <laughs> what is it like working at a restaurant group that really operates differently to any others? You've got six restaurants in one building as compared to scattered across a certain area or specializing in one cuisine over the whole city. It must be a different operation. Yeah, I mean, in terms of operations, it, it is, um, it's very streamlined. Because, again, we have five in the tower and then Tokyo Joe around the corner, um, which is a huge institution. Um, Bocce was originally in number one Lan Kui Fong uh, Tower about 20 years ago. So that has uh, a bit of nostalgia as well. But Bocce itself, um, again, it's it's prime real estate. It's open air. It it does, like you said, it's got like this magnetic quality that just kind of pulls you in. I mean, it's beautifully designed. The cuisine is amazing. It's always pumping with music. So it definitely pulls you in. Um, to answer your question directly, having five in the tower, I mean, again, it really makes it easy because if one restaurant, you know, is out of a particular bottle of wine or a spirit. It's like, okay, take the back of the house lift, go down, grab it, pull it back up, just do a transfer. So it really makes it easy in terms of operations. In terms of the real identities of the concepts themselves, you've got these six restaurants. The genres are steakhouse, Japanese, and Italian. Why those three? I mean, Japanese is always going to be a huge player in the market um, in, in any city. So within the Japanese or the Eastern portfolio, as we call it, within the group, we've got Tokyo Joe, again, institution, omakase. Um, that's just, it's a world of its own. Then Kyoto Joe, which is in the tower, that's a little bit more kind of California vibe, kind of hypergraphics on the wall, more sushi sashimi. Um, Fumi is definitely like very traditional, more elegant um, subtle Japanese in style and presentation and ambiance and everything. Porterhouse steak and seafood, it's just so damn good. I mean, there's no other way of putting it. It's so it really is. It's it, it's so good at what they're doing with the surf and turf menu. Um and then Bocce Tratorian Bar, pizzas, second best pizza in Hong Kong, number twelve in Asia Pacific, which is a huge honor. Um and then the pastas are obviously delicious. And then the crown jewel, the top, is um, Aria, commanding views of the city, um, very intimate. It's posh, but it's not, like, overly done. It's more relaxed. I think between the cuisines, like, Italian always works. Um, Japanese is always a sure shot. The steak and seafood, um, it kind of just pulls people in, actually. Yeah, so I think they've been mm -hmm. very smart on mm -hmm. what they're offering in terms of the different cuisines. Just sitting with you right now and asking you about your first memories of LKF, I'm getting emotional thinking about my first <laughs> memories of LKF. I think back to the heyday of you know, 2015, 16, 17, hadn't left Hong Kong yet, and I started to go and I was like, wow, 
this is something else. This is Hong Kong. I'm hearing you explain the concepts right now with each a unique identity and history. Is nostalgia the secret ingredient in all these restaurants that you serve up that make LKF concept restaurants powerful? I think there's definitely an element of nostalgia. And I think LKF itself, just it's such a strong brand. It's such a strong identity. You know, what Mr. Zeman has created with his vision and what he's executed through the years, it's inherently going to be high quality, consistently high quality. Um, a lot of guests that do come through, actually, I get this more often than not at, at Bocce because uh, it was previously Chow Chow. And I was um, brought on board for that transition and kind of amplifying brand awareness from Chow Chow to Bocce. And the first couple of weeks, guests were unsure because the open rice still had chow chow. But then they'd come up and it was like, I'm meeting my friend at chow chow, but this is Baki? <laughs> I'm like, Bachi. But this isn't chow chow. I'm like, okay, let me explain. Uh, ironically, at that same time, we would get a lot of guests that had gone to the original Bachi, guests coming back from the UK. Oh, we we went on our first date at Bachi. It was right there, number one, like Wai Fong. I said, yes. <laughs> now we're married and... We're back in town. We heard this is open. We want to come visit again. So I was like, wow. And that was that was pretty cool to kind of hear these mm-hmm. guest stories and have someone say, like, we came because my first date was wow. with this gentleman and now we're married 20 years and our children are in boarding school and we're just back to see the family. Yeah. What would you say is the clientele that come to these restaurants in LKF? Each, each restaurant um, pulls different clientele. So if we start at the top of the tower, Aria is going to be pulling uh, a lot of the bankers, lawyers, mm. business people from from Central for business lunches, uh, even for dinners. There tends to be a little bit older demographic at Aria. Um, drop down to Kyoto Joe. Kyoto Joe, they have amazing vegetarian selections at Kyoto Joe. Interesting. Uh, drop down to... Porterhouse Steak and Seafood. A lot of families for brunch. Family brunches are really, really huge there. Um, during the week, again, similar clientele or guest profile to Aria. A lot of the professionals, bankers, lawyers, etc. from Central Business District. Fumi get um, kind of a wide range. Young professionals, older professionals that just want that authentic Japanese cuisine. And then Bocce, pretty much... Wide open. I mean, you get you get everything from students to business professionals to families. It, it's kind of like an all day dining concept, I would say. And then uh, Tokyo Joe, that pretty much has its inherent clientele, its inherent guests, mm-hmm. its inherent clientele um, that have been going there for over twenty years. So they're just like the regular guests. Sure. But, yeah. Whilst I wouldn't consider any of the six restaurants to be specifically fine dining, I think it's high-class dining. Mm. How do you differentiate the experiences as under your directorship from a guest and a VIP? That's a good question and actually a good observation, Ruben. Um, none of them are fine dining. It's, it's very mm. high quality. Even Aria, people come in like, it's fine dining. No, it's not fine dining. It's, it's elevated dining. Mm. Um, VIPs are interesting. I mean, everyone is a VIP, right? 
but there are guests that are VVIP. VVIP. Yeah, it's, it's the extra V. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story, and this is really the wildest thing I've actually seen so far. And you can imagine some of the things you see in LKI. So two weeks ago, no joke. <laughs> I can't even start it because I'm laughing at this. We entertain all types of people you can imagine. Two weeks ago, for lunch, we had a Malaysian billionaire come to Aria. God. Woman, middle-aged, low-key, I mean, minus the AP on her wrist, but kid you not, um, uh, there's some, some uh, I don't even know what you call it, but she literally has a million-dollar chair, U.S. million dollar chair that she brings with her everywhere. Oh, my God. And one of our staff had to literally go to the back of house lift, bring the chair up to Aria, place it in the private dining room so that she can sit in her chair. I am not joking. I cannot make this up. Oh, my God. And so this just shows the, the extent that we will go to accommodate our VVIPs. And it was just her, her husband, and her child like five to seven year old oh child <laughs> was like where are you going oh i gotta go get her chair what, <laughs> get her chair what do you mean can you imagine absolutely no i can't no <laughs> i was gonna say absolutely i absolutely cannot no no i've never seen anything like it but again um you know she's very very high profile she she needs her privacy so we put mm. her in the private dining room she has her request as we say so if it's within reason and it's, you know, not breaking the law, we'll certainly accommodate. Um, actually, even about two or three weeks ago, um, Mr. Zeman entertained Manny Pacquiao. I was going to ask that, yeah. Yeah, he entertained Manny Pacquiao at Fumi. Oh, wow. Yeah, which, um, again, sit in the private dining room, et cetera. Manny, he's a, he's a low-key guy. But again, each outlet has private dining rooms. Each outlet has the space provided to kind of give these VVIPs the, the privacy that they require, the discretion they need. Uh, another thing as well is we know our guests really well. So profiling the guests and understanding what their needs are before they come mm. uh, is very, very important for us. Do you think the marketing that you guys have done as a group has created this allure that you are a celebrity, you are a VVIP, LKF restaurants are on your list? For your pit stop trip to Hong Kong? I think, yeah, there's definitely an aspect of the LKF brand being associated with it. I think there is, you know, just in the LKF concepts ecosystem itself, there is a very strong identity, a very um, established reputation for high quality. So, again, all our guests are, are VIP. We like to accommodate everyone. But, but there are some guests that... Um, have that additional V, which makes quite a difference. <laughs> yeah. How did you know that she was a billionaire? Uh, <laughs> we can't disclose that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go into my next question. <laughs> for for all guests, VIP and VVIP, what is guest experience in essence for a restaurant in LKF? That's a very good question, Ruben. Um, guest experience, it really starts, the, the guest journey starts from making the reservation online through our lkfconcepts.com website or calling the restaurant. 
um, than how they're received immediately at, at the reception, how they're received, how they're greeted, where they're seated, um, how the menus are presented, how the dishes are explained. So all these various touch points along the guest journey within the restaurant um, kind of create the overall experience. It's not just, oh, happy anniversary on a, on a plate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's that intangible, invisible factor, interacting with the guests, making them feel warm and delighted, excited if they're a regular guest and you know that they've tried one, one dish, you know, bring them out of their comfort zone, give them something new to try. So in educating and training your staff, and I'd say yourself as well, you have to remember these dozens of touch points that you have to have that LKF charm style. It's very, very important. And mm-hmm. consistency is key. Consistency is really critical because that's what's going to drive the guests back into the restaurants. You know, there's plenty of choices to eat Italian food, Japanese food, steak in Hong Kong. You know, why are they coming to these LKF outlets? And again, it's really about the overall experience, creating these moments in time that become memories, memories that get shared with their friends and their family. And once you create Mm. that kind of magic for them or that invisible factor, feel-good factor, they'll come back. They'll come back because they had a good experience and they know they're going to be well looked after. Hey there. I'm your editor, Natsuki Arita, coming in to tell you that we are published by the Beat.Asia, the fastest-growing regional publication for F&B news, event coverage, nightlife happenings, culture, and more. Find us at thebeat.asia to feel the pulse of Hong Kong and Asia. Back to Adam. What goes into the Bible or the LKFC Torah, if you will, of the rules about guest experience? How do you create that, that guidebook? For, for staff and for yourself and for these expectations? Um, again, it's really, number one, each outlet has its own identity, its own concept, its own experience. So understanding that sort of narrative that's being presented, not just the food, but what exactly is the overall ambiance, the vibe, everything that creates this restaurant to be this restaurant. For instance, for Aria, it's... Um, Commanding views of the city, amazing food. You know, that's really like authentic, very traditional Italian dishes. Um, <clears throat> for for bocce, so everything around Aria, it, the storytelling, the experience is really like we want our guests to feel like home. It's very intimate, 40-plus seats. Whereas bocce, the bottom of the tower, that's like you can seat up to 100 people, mm. high energy, so you have a bit more uh, space to play, so to speak. You can be a little bit more casual with the guests. You can understand this is bocce. We've got a live DJ all the time. So the energy level there. Um, service always has to be tended to, but how you present that, how you interact with the guests will be dictated by the, the restaurant itself. So with all these concepts and experiences, you're going to make it not an excuse for someone to go to another restaurant or another group, you're going to bring them in to the LKFC experience. And if they want to get Japanese, great. If they want to go happy hour drinking, great. If they want high-class dining, they get it, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And that's another thing about having six in the group in a concentrated tower. It really gives us an opportunity and a platform to kind of cross-pollinate, cross-promote. 
um, some of my regular guests, they'll come three times a week. It's like they'll just – I give them my WhatsApp. Like consider me your personal concierge. You need a table. Okay, give me 12 minutes. <laughs> um, you know, we just make it happen. Wow. Just got to make it happen. And again, to your point, we have that opportunity to provide different experiences, different cuisines. So my regulars, they'll come. One day they want Fumi. The next day they want Bocce. The next time they want Aria. Mm. Or they want to go to Tokyo Joe. So it's it's really nice to have that kind of platform and opportunity to, as I say, cross-pollinate you know, between the restaurants. What are the challenges of guest experience that you face? Oh, challenges. Ooh, that's a good one. I, I don't want to say uh, like a demanding guest. I think a, a guest that <clears throat> can never be pleased is, is a challenge because, you know, you can't please everyone. You do your best to, you know, course correct if a dish comes out and it's not hot enough or it's too spicy and, you know, all these kind of things that can pop up um, can be challenging. You know, I had a guest at Bocce sometime last year and you read the guest, you read the table, you know, like, okay – this is business lunch, or my approach is going to be this way, or this guy's on a first date. He wants to impress the girl, so you know, it's botchy, so I'm just going to kind of go up and play play around. Do you ever compliment a guy on the first date, you know, his watch or his tie? You're like, <laughs> hey, buddy, I've seen you here last week with another girl. <laughs> no, I'm very good at being discreet. It's like even if I have seen him, I'm like, okay, table 32's back. <laughs> it's like, Carousel's back around. Oh, last time it was a blonde. This time it's a brunette. I say nothing. <laughs> um, but no, it, one of the challenges, again, is is you want the guests to walk away feeling content, feeling happy, feeling that they had a good experience and they got value for their time. But um, unfortunately, there's times when, you know, you can educate the guests. If uh, a dish is spicy, you, you know, always want to understand any food allergies, et cetera. Oh, I love spicy. I love spicy. Okay. Make it extra spicy. Okay. Pizza comes out. I kid you not. <laughs> this guy on the date was like fuming mad. So I start yelling at one of the servers. I come over. I said, you know, what's going on? Can I help you? And just start laying into me. And I'm like, Okay, well, I, I did speak to the server, and you know, you were asked if you wanted spicy. This is mm -hmm. Calabrese from the south. It's the spiciest pizza at Bocce. Uh, this gentleman wanted extra spicy. Yeah, I don't know what his intent was, but in the end, he uh, he was like literally dripping sweat. <laughs> I was like, impressed the day. Yeah, and I'm just like mentally going through my mind, like, okay, how can I course correct this? Like, how can I? not <laughs> agitate this guest anymore and you know i know he's a bit embarrassed because he's on this date and wants to eat i don't know what <laughs> but i'm just like okay um you know can i get you some milk and then that really <laughs> <laughs> so there are these challenges that you have but at the end you know nothing is um unsurmountable really mm -hmm. you know as long as you can just genuinely connect with the guest have empathy with the guest if there's something that's not to their liking or you could easily course correct and a lot of times that actually gives you an opportunity to build a stronger bond with the guests because they appreciate how you receive them how you respond to their needs how you take care of them yeah would it be correct in saying that you relish these challenges in order to <laughs> better yourself better the group 
Yeah, um, no, I, I definitely do. Again, because no two day, no mm. no two days are alike. Um, each restaurant is is completely different. So within my day, I'm moving between the outlets, and I'm kind of switching gears. You know, and when I greet the guests, when I'm hosting guests, you know, each outlet it, it's a completely different experience. So it keeps me sharp, keeps me agile, um, and it, it's great fun. You know, at the end of the day, I do it because. I said hospitality from heart, so it's it's really a lot of fun. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Moving on to our rapid fire questions, Adam. <laughs> you have dun, dun, dun. indeed. <laughs> you have less than thirty seconds to come up with a few words to answer each question. <laughs> if you fail to come up with an answer in five seconds, we'll be a bit lenient. We'll move on to the next one. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's go. If you weren't in the F and B industry, what would you think you'd be doing right now instead? I. Still be in hospitality. I mean, again, for me, I would be doing what I was doing previously, relationship director for the family business. Nice. You have unlimited funds to create the perfect guest experience. What do you do? Ooh. The perfect guest experience? I would definitely um, mix and match our chefs, you know, beyond mm. the forehands dinner. I'd, I'd really go avant-garde, you know, and take our chef from Tokyo Joe and pair him with our chef from... From uh, Aria. And then I would transport the guest somewhere outside of our restaurant, somewhere mm. totally unique in Hong Kong. It would still be like this is a curated experience by Lan Kwai Fong, but we're going to actually take you out of Lan Kwai Fong to give you something beyond. And let me guess, the seats are $2 billion? <laughs> Must be. <laughs> what is a memorable guest interaction beyond this billionaire that you've had this year? Uh Memorable guest interaction would be a gentleman about a week ago at uh, Kyoto Joe that that I was hosting. He was so sincere and appreciative um, in his in his attitude and in his vibe that he just stood up, gave me a huge hug, and he's like, "I'll be bringing my family within the next three days." And I was just like, "Wow, okay, wow." And literally, I went down to Kyoto Joe. Three days later, this guy booked the private dining room, and he had about 15 of his family members there. <laughs> yeah. How cute. Yeah. yeah. It was, I was like, wow. I mean, he had like auntie, grandma, sister, wow. cousin. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was really beautiful. Food you know? moves, moves people. It does move yeah. people. Where would you travel exclusively for food? Exclusively for food? You know, tip of the tongue, I was thinking Malaysia, but I'd have to say Italy. Mm, yeah. Classic choice. Classic. Can't because the regions, you know, from the north to the south. Mm. All right, let's go for three. Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tap into my Mexican roots. What makes a meal great? Company. Describe your wardrobe. How different would you say your work attire is from your casual day off attire? Okay, work attire, um, you know, always blazer tie um outside of work i'm like it's like yin and yang i'm like <laughs> shorts baseball cap flip-flops <laughs> you're american yeah on your days off completely american on my days off and you're like super casual you're contemporary on your days <laughs> yeah off. yeah exactly name one time you lied at work for whatever reason it may be I uh, called in sick when, in fact, I was hungover. <laughs> and I got called out immediately. They that's, knew. 
That's being sick. Yeah. I was yeah. like, well, technically I'm sick. <laughs> like, yeah, we know where you were last <laughs> night. Uh, do you dislike or hate any food trends bubbling up recently in Hong Kong or worldwide? Um, not necessarily. I mean, mm. I'm more of a timeless guy when it comes to food and drink, mm. but I don't really despise like any trends. Some sometimes I don't understand them, but I I don't really despise any trends. How do you like to spend your days off? Uh, I'm an island boy, so I, I live on an outline island. So spend my days off um, chilling with my dogs, hanging out with friends. Um, just com- again, yin to, to Hong Kong's yang, or mm. yang to Hong Kong's yin. Um, just completely chilled. Stay on the island. Relax. What are some trends that you feel will be prevalent in the next decade when it comes to guest experience? Ooh, that's a good question. I think. Um, more personalization, more uh, opportunity to kind of mix and match. I mean, um, how you can intersect entertainment and dining. How can you create something new, whether it's, you know, the Italian restaurant, you can have, you know, a singer come in and sing or uh, just really creating like these unique experiences, melding entertainment and dining, I think is going to be critical what is one meal in your childhood that you can still consume and love today well again tapping into my mexican roots i'd have to say a bean and cheese burrito (laughs) as simple (laughs) as it is (laughs) it's great it it is i mean yeah can you get good mexican food in hong kong in your opinion i mean the one that i feel is really done it justice it's definitely uh, Estras and, and John mm. and uh, the boys at 11 West Side. Absolutely. I mean, for me, that is like the most authentic um, because, again, I'm from Los Angeles originally. Estras is from L.A., so mm. I, I can connect with that flavor profile. There is good Mexican food here, but, again, the standard that you that I hold it to is, is much different. But I, I do have to say tip of the hat to 11 West Side because those guys really bring it. How would you rate the Beat Asia's guest experiences you sit here recording with us today. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the <laughs> bar has you? been the bar has been absolutely raised. Ten out of ten. Yeah. What has been your top experience as a guest from childhood to now? As a guest? Yeah. Hmm. Getting served those cheese and bean burritos. No. Okay, so I'm gonna go like to the opposite end of the spectrum. Maldives. Mm. Um 32 villa, tiny little island, take the seaplane, and just being served dinner, private dinner for two on the beach at sunset. Wow. Like totally secluded. And just being barefoot, like barefoot luxury. You know, again, I'm not in the blazer and tie. I'm back, back to that. <laughs> Chilled outside. But again, that was, um, that was a moment in time. That really was the moment in time because the food was amazing. The location, of course, it's the Maldives. Mm. But um, just the attention to detail because they would appear and then disappear. And I was like, how do you guys do this? Like, you know when to – like, you keep it in (laughs) eye. Like, they would just appear and disappear. Yeah, I'm like, wow, the service is impeccable. Yeah. So that goes on to my next question, the penultimate question. If you had a superpower that only activates at work, 
what would it be? Reading guest minds. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought it was a pair and disappear. <laughs> that would be a good one too, actually. Reading guest minds. Reading guest minds. Yeah, because then it's like, you know, I can anticipate their needs. I could understand, you know, where they're where they are and what they're expecting and so then exceed those expectations. And finally, what are you cooking in the coming months that you can share with us on the Dinesh Guesses podcast? In LKF group restaurants? Um, we've got a few things coming up. Um, Aria, we're going to be doing the third and final in our series for the wine pairing in July. Um, Fumi, we just actually, we just finished our bluefin tuna fish cutting ceremony. Um, and then the other ones are still under wraps. I, I can't, I can't disclose. Watch this space. Watch this space. Yeah. Go to lkfconcepts.com. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Again, amazing hospitality. Appreciate that, sir. Keep your finger on the pulse and tap follow to keep up with the Beat Asia to hear more colorful chats and rich stories. This episode is hosted by myself, Ruben Verabes. Big shout out to Adam Azate for coming on the Delish Guest List to share his story. Our producer for this episode is Marcus Trema. And we are edited by Natsuki Arita. That's all for this episode. See you in the next one. <laughs>